Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. It's been so good to have Pastor Nancy with us this week. I know the ladies have been so blessed. I tell you, I've just heard testimony after testimony of how good the meetings have been. Praise God. We're so grateful for that. We're grateful for Pastor Nancy and and, uh, her friendship, her ministry. And it's always a joy to bring Pastor Nancy to our church and and have her in our pulpit because she ministers in, in such a powerful way, but there's such safety in what she ministers. And she ministers by the revelation of the Spirit. And it's so refreshing. And uh, I tell you what, we're just, Pastor Nancy, we're so glad to have you. So grateful that you, that you came to, to grace us this week. And so I want you to come and just op- open your heart, share your heart with us. Glory to God. Whatever the Lord gives you, just uh, let us have it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to get to be with you. Ladies, it's good to see you again. We had us a good time. We'll not tell the guys what went on here. Thank you so very much for um, all the work that went into the meetings this weekend, and I appreciate the, the pastors having me and Miss Amy thanking enough to um, invite me, and I appreciate that. And uh, we're just we're just thankful for what God put into us. Uh, before we get started this morning, just to let you know, out in I guess it's out in your bookstore. Okay, it's right out here. Okay, in the back of the auditorium, they set up uh, my materials, and we ran out of stuff yesterday, so they're overnighting some things uh, that will be here and available tomorrow. But uh, this is our latest book, Love the Great Quest. And um, I had notes on this book probably for about 20 years, which goes to show, oh, it took me a while and to get to it. And... Um, when uh, we've been pastoring there in California, I'd been pastoring just a couple of years, and I had taken some time. I'd taken about three or four Sundays in a row teaching on prosperity. And uh, about the fourth Sunday that I got up to teach on that, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you need to back up. And I go, what do you mean back up? He said, you need to back up on teaching on prosperity. He said, because until you teach these people how to walk in love in their home, they don't qualify for Bible prosperity. Uh, And notice the wording. They don't qualify for Bible prosperity. You can go out and by the sweat of your brow have a, a little bit of natural success, but that's very hard to hold on to. Bible prosperity enriches every single arena of your life. And, uh... He let me know that our love walk is connected to our wallets. There is an invisible thread, if I could say it this way, that's going to affect your wallet based on our love walk, how we treat each other at home. And one of the things I would warn our our congregation about is before you decide to get into strife or conflict with your spouse, or with anybody else, ask yourself, do I have enough money to fund this strife? (laughs) Because if I get into strife, the supply of God is cut off. Not that God cuts me off, but strife cuts me off. It takes me out of position 
to where I can no longer receive. So it's so important that when you want to prosper, you have to address your love walk because the love walk will uh, hold you in position to where God's blessings can reach you unhindered. Amen? So that book is out there. And then uh, I would say this, go buy one, but buy it first for yourself. Don't say, honey, I bought this for you. (laughs) That doesn't go over big. And then, uh, and then uh, we have we have this one, this book on worship, and uh, Brother Norville Hayes. Um, I don't know if you ever got to be in a service with Brother Norville, and what a rare gift he was. He's in heaven now, but we had known Brother Norville for years. He's one of the first people I met right after Ed and I got married, and. There's so many stories I could tell you about Brother Norville. But he, um, he sat in the car with me. I, when I married Ed, there was a, um, it was a season of testing I entered to just because of who I got connected with and the anointing upon his life. And I was struggling with some things for months, and I had never even mentioned it to my husband. I didn't say anything to anybody because I thought something's just wrong with me. And... Uh, the first night I met Brother Norville and we were at a meeting. We were in the back room with Dad Hagen and we were in the back room and that's where I met Brother Norville. And, and uh, Norville came up to Ed and said, you know, y'all are staying at the same hotel. Can I ride back with you in the car? So he rode back with us and he sat in the car with us. And uh, it's about a 10-minute drive to the hotel, but he sat in the car for the next 45 minutes parked at the hotel and he dismantled every argument that the devil had that he was using against me. He had no idea, but he answered every single thing that was that the devil was using against me. And that night, that, that attack was, uh, was aborted because this man of God sat by the Spirit for 45 minutes and gave me divine answers and divine help from heaven. He never knew it, and my husband didn't know it. But that man, when people, God uses people like that, it marks you. And there's a regard to hold for people in your life who bring you answers for your success and your walk in God. Never let anyone devalue that voice of who answers things in your life. And uh, so in about 2012, God began dealing with me. And he said to me, I want you to have Brother Norval in your church. And we'd had him years before, but we'd kind of lost contact over some years and hadn't had him in our church for a while. And, um, but I had the sense not to necessarily contact him. And so uh, my husband went home to be with the Lord in 2013, but right after he did, Brother Norville called and said uh, that he was going to be in our area, and uh, I knew that I was to have him. So we had him, and what was it, Morgan, four or five years, the next four or five years, he came every year, precious man, and uh, that man could preach longer than anybody had ever seen. But I tell you what, no matter how long it was, it was worth sit, sitting there to hear the revelation. He'd say one thing that would just land in you like a bomb, something you could live on for the rest of your life. And uh, one of the things that God used him for is to emphasize, uh, he taught faith and healing, but he also emphasized the flow of worship. So after he went home to be with the Lord, I I kept being compelled to 
listen to some of his sermons. And so I went through scores and scores of his sermons and listened by the hour. And I was getting ready to start a camp meeting at a church. And um, it was probably about 6.15. I was getting ready to leave around 7, 6.45 from the hotel. And uh, I had been listening to some of Brother Norville's teachings, feeding on him. And I got ready to leave for the meeting that night. And when I did, there was an angel who came into the room. And I walked over to where he stood and I said, I recognize you've come to bring something. And I, I receive what you have to bring. This isn't odd. The word says that they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. That's us. So I held out my hands to receive because when something like that happens, you have to respond. And so I held out my hands and I said, I, I, I want to receive what you brought. And he said, I've come to bring an impartation for the utterance of the divine revelation that was given to Brother Norville that you carry it on. Because even though a man leaves, God doesn't want the revelation that the man brought lost. He, somebody has to care enough about it to pick it up and carry it on. In one of Brother Norville's books, really one of the main messages that he brought was this. And I want to read it to you because it, I included it in this book of worship. And this is what God said to Brother Norville years ago, and it earmarked his ministry. God spoke to Brother Norville and said, My children basically love me, but they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. And uh, you would say, well, how much is enough? He didn't say they don't worship him. He said they don't worship him enough. And I remember something that Dad Hagen said, worship brings the anointing, and the anointing destroys the yoke. So how much is enough until the anointing comes into manifestation so that it can destroy the yoke? So God said, they don't worship me enough. And then God said, Brother Norval, you're teaching faith and confession. You're praying for the sick. But you need to worship me more, and you need to teach my people to worship me more. I'm their God, and they're my children. If you'll teach my children to worship me more, I will do great and mighty things for them. Now think of that. God offers us great and mighty things, but he has to have us in position to receive that. Worship doesn't earn something from God. It positions us. And uh, in positioning, God can do great and mighty things. And not just great and mighty things that men can do, but what God can do. Amen. So that book is out there. It'll be a blessing to you. It's a carry-on of, uh, uh, I said, of course, what God had given Brother Norval. Then we also have a, several different pamphlets out here. Just pick those up for free if you would like. There's a couple on healing. There's some on in him, love scriptures and prayers. And so uh, those are out there. And too, then if you're, if you're real computer savvy, you can go to our website and download those for free that if you'd rather have them on your device. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Jesus, you told Dad Hagen that you had a plan for every service. Jesus, we're hungry for that plan. We're here today for that plan. And we'll move with that plan. 
We'll cooperate with that plan. We'll respond to that plan and we'll lay hold of all that plan holds for us and we'll be doers of what we hear today. Not just hearers, but we'll be doers and we'll bear much fruit to your glory. That's our purpose, to bear much fruit to your glory. And so we thank you, Father. We take unto ourselves ears that hear, eyes that see, hearts that are open and receptive to what you have for us. And everybody said... Amen. Turn with me this morning, if you would, to the book of Numbers in chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I would love to read this whole passage to you, but um, I'm not going to for time's sake. And uh, there's so much in it that teaches teaches us much, but I'll try to pare it down. Um, I, I I would want you to know that... When God puts something in your heart, when God uh, gives a command of something to do for your own life, he assigns something to your life. When you say yes to that, you're not just saying yes to all the blessings contained in what his instruction holds. You're not just saying yes to his plan. You are also saying yes to every challenge every opposition, and every strategy the devil is going to throw against that plan. So just settle it. Just settle it. When you say yes to God, the devil's not going to congratulate you. He's going to oppose you. And so just know that I'm going to face opposition, but the yes to God's plan is enough to get me past every opposition I face. So I want you to, I I want to say these things not to make people stand back from what God says or to be afraid of obeying what God says, but so that you'll think like God when you face opposition. It matters how you think when you face opposition, that you see it as God sees it and that you address it as God would have you to address it. So, uh... Just know this, to th- you have to think right. Complaining is wrong thinking. Griping is wrong thinking. Feeling bad for yourself is wrong thinking. Having the why this happened to me kind of mentality is wrong thinking. And it will hinder the fullness of the plan coming to pass. So uh, we need to think right. That means we'll rejoice at the opportunity to exercise our faith and eat the fruit of our obedience. Amen. That when something opposes us, thank God. It must be mean I'm, I'm on the right path. <laughs> thank God. I'll just, I'll just step over it and keep going. Amen. Numbers 13 and verse 1 and 2. I want to just take this and see the instruction that God gave his people after they were delivered out of Egypt. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. So notice this. God gave them something before they ever took possession of it. Things are yours before you ever see them show up in your life or before you ever lay your hand of faith on them. God assigns them and deeds them to you in the spirit realm. 
And so when the 12 men that went, and notice when God sent them, God didn't talk about any negatives of the land. Why? It doesn't matter the negatives because the positives far outweigh any negatives. So that God doesn't talk about the negatives that you're going to face because they don't matter. I said they don't matter. The opposition you're going to face, it doesn't matter. What's that got to do with anything? What matters is what God say and what did God say that you would arrive at through obedience. That's what matters. And uh, let, let, me just, let me just say this. God talks about his will. He doesn't talk about what the devil's doing. Why? Because he's a faith God. He's not talking about opposition. Not because he, he knows there's opposition, but it's just not worth talking about. It's not, worth, it's not worth your attention. It is not worth your attention. And some people have built their life around their opposition instead of around the command of God. Some people are so occupied. And I love something when um, one minister went to heaven and he talked about when he met Paul up there. And Paul made this statement to him. He said, uh, when you go back to the earth, remind God's people that hardships and difficulties are for a moment. He said God's people have made them a lifetime, but they're only for a moment because he said this light affliction, which is but for a moment. And he said, tell people to turn their lifetimes back into moments. The lifetime of opposition is not supposed to be their life. It's a moment of opposition. It's a lifetime of victory. But if you have to think right, you have to think right. You can't just take on the attitudes and, and the, the mindset of homes you were raised in or the, the regions you lived in. That's why God offers us his word so we can take on his mindset, his way of thinking. That's what a renewed mind is. It's thinking like God thinks. It's seeing them as God sees them. And so God gave them... He said, I have given you. This is, he said, which I give unto the children of Israel. So once he gave it, it's theirs. Now, that was God's part to give it. Now, their part was to take hold and take possession of what he had made theirs. And so when the 12 spies returned from searching the land, we see two, thoughts, two trains of thought demonstrated. One was faith. One was doubt. And one was faith, one was fear. One was what God said, one was what they saw. And so when we look at verse 30 of Numbers 13, verse 30, we see right thinking. They had gone to spy out the land and verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And he said, I love this. Let us go up at once. In other words, don't give yourself time to think about this. Don't give yourself time to measure and calculate and strategize out of your own thinking. Let's go up at once. I've learned this, that the quicker you obey God, the less you have to fight things in your mind. Because the longer you delay, the more opportunity and time you give the devil to harass your mind about that obedience. And Caleb's said, let us go up at once. Notice this, and possess it. He said, this is our part. It's our job to possess. God gave it, but we still have a part. 
listen, all Jesus has provided for us in our inheritance, he gave, but we have our part to possess it, to bring it into the experience of our life. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. I love this, for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able. He didn't even mention anything about a giant. He didn't mention anything about opposition. He didn't mention how they weren't trained in battle. God's people were not trained in battle. They were trained in slavery. They were not trained in battle. He did not mention what they weren't qualified to do. All he talked about was what God gave them as theirs. Then verse 31, now we see wrong thinking start speaking up. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land that they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. This is like two different views of what was spied out. Caleb and Joshua didn't mention any of this. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Is there opposition? Yes, but it doesn't matter because God has already given us the outcome. The steps of getting there don't really matter. Keep your eye on the finish, not on the process. Look at this. Caleb spoke 17 words. The 10 spies spoke 81 words. What's that mean? Doubt's got more to say to you. (laughs) Doubt has a bigger argument. It has to do a sales job on you. Fear and doubt has to do a sales job on you. So it overly states things and keeps talking and keeps talking and keeps talking. Why? Because it has no foundation. So it's got to do a sales job on you and try to out-talk your thoughts. Praise the Lord. And not only that, the problem with this is that these men that had these 10 spies that had the the negative report, the report of fear, the report of doubt, they were looking at that land with Egypt mentality. What's Egypt mentality? As, As in Egypt, they were slaves. Everything was handed to them. Their food was handed to them. Their work orders were handed to them. They did not have to. They only did what they were told so far as by another man. But as slaves, they owned nothing. God was turning them into owners. God will turn you into an owner if you follow him. You You won't be working always for someone else's possessions. There's nothing wrong with being a blessing to another man, but God will still turn you into an owner. And uh, they had this slave mentality, which was basically this. If we have to do anything, we don't want to mess with it. If we've got to fight anybody, we're okay with not going in. If you can give us something for nothing, we'll take it. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ who want something for nothing. 
And everything has been made theirs, but there is the part that we play of laying hold and showing up, showing up to lay hold of the victory. Amen. Don't just sit back and wait for things to show up and float to you. They won't. You have to, on purpose, see what God's made yours and step, step over every obstacle, every hindrance, every difficulty, and just chew them up as you go. Amen. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 7, and there it certainly went on more verbal arguments, and we, for time's sake, won't read it, read it all, but Numbers 14 and verse 7 It says, and they, speaking of Joshua and Caleb, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. Meaning this, it exceeds every other land you've ever seen. Verse 8, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it. Us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. And I love this phrase, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. God's protection over them is gone. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. This one phrase has stood out to me, and this is what I want to remind you of today. This phrase, they are bread for us. They are bread for us. What's bread? It's part of your diet. Before, before the gluten thing. Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, I don't know if you've ever read after her, but she was a medical doctor that found herself on her deathbed. And through that experience, she came back into right fellowship with the Lord and believed God. And she was raised up off her deathbed. And then she went to teaching divine healing for the next 35 years of her life. And she was an instructor in Sister Amy Simple McPherson's Bible School out in uh, L.A., And she was an instructor in other Bible schools as well. And one day, one of the students, knowing that she was a medical doctor, said to her, said, Dr. Yeomans said, "Um, is there any particular diet that you especially believe in? And she said, yes, I do. I believe in a diet of giants. Just devour each one that comes your way and becomes spiritually stalwart. (laughs) Know this, no giant, no opposition, no obstacle is our downfall. They are our bread that is to add something to us in the eating. There are things that are built into your spiritual system that can only come through giants, not through necessarily arriving at your destination, but can only come through obstacle eating. Today's society kind of devalues and tries to get it to where people, all kinds of opposition is removed. You're never going to receive all, remove all kinds of opposition from the lives of children. 
and from the lives of young adults and from the lives of the worker. There's always going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles. And the more that they see those and have knowledge of how to get past those, the more they can flourish because they faced obstacles and they won. Amen. No giant is our downfall. The word says they're our bread. Now, we have to renew our minds. When opposition shows up, oh, you're my bread. You're not my fearful place. You're not my doubting place. You're not the place that I stumble. You're not the place that I quit. You're the place I eat. This is, now, this is called the renewed mind. Because in the natural, the flesh... <laughs> And the emotions and the mind sees it differently. But the renewed mind sees it as God sees it. And God says giants are bread for us. Faith says giants are bread for us. They are not our gripping place. They're not our complaining place. They're not what we talk about at the dinner table. Because so many people talk themselves out of the plan of God discussing wrong things at the dinner table. Sharing their thoughts of doubt sharing their thoughts that comes against them with their opposition. So anything you're being opposed with, faced, any obstacle that's in front of you, learn to say, you're my bread. I'm getting fat off of you. (laughs) Amen. Something's going to be added to me through you. Giants are anything that tries to get in your way of taking hold of what God's made yours. Anything. Anything. It could be a financial opposition. It could be something on the job. It could anything that gets in the way of you laying hold of what God made yours. That's a giant. Experts they agree that we need a well balanced diet, don't they? One food group cannot be canceled out, and another food group supply in its place because they each supply their own different things. Proteins supply one thing, vegetables supply another, fruits supply another, grains supply something different. You just can't say, well, I'm going to eliminate all this and throw everything from one food group at your diet and think that everything is going to be balanced. There's going to be something deficient that 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 food group that you removed will cause all kinds of problems. I mean, there was one lady that was talking about a particular kind of diet, and I won't name it because I'm not up here, in for, you know, recommending diets, so to speak. But she went on a certain popular diet, and she said after a year, all of her teeth were loose. Her sight was beginning to fail. So she went on another diet, and then she had other problems because she went on another diet that eliminated food groups, and she just had problem after problem. Why? Because she was eliminating something that her physical body needs. If we quit or we sidestep every opposition, we're eliminating something our spiritual life needs. No, God's not sending the... God is not sending the giants. God's not sending the obstacles because you need something. He just knows that if you'll think like him and eat up those obstacles, they will build you instead of destroy you. They will propel you forward instead of stop you from moving forward. Amen. So if we let ourselves go, I mean, just naturally speaking, if we let ourselves go, I don't know about you, but I could eat a loaf of bread. And especially if it's in the form of a donut. (laughs) A little bit of sugar on that bread, a little bit of sweet on that bread. We were, my husband and I were with a certain pastor 
And we were driving back, and we were holding meetings at their church. And uh, on the way back from the church to the hotel, you had to drive by Krispy Kreme. Had to. No way around it. And every night, we just seemed to hit it just right when the hot sign was on. They... And we, we, I think we might have pulled in once or twice during that week, but, I, you know, it was, that hot sign was just like, that was my name, H-O-T, right there. It's calling me. And he said, the pastor said, you know, when Brother Hagen was with us, he said, of course, we had to drive by there every night to get him back to his hotel. And he said, every night. Dad Hagen say that hot sign's on. <laughs> said we would pull in. He said I'd go through the drive-thru. I'd order two dozen donuts. He said Dad Hagen would take a box. I would take a box. And Dad Hagen would go into the store nearby and get us milk. And we would sit in my truck. And we would each eat our dozen donuts <laughs> every night. And you say, how do you do that? You've got to build up toward that. <laughs> I could get there if I let myself. I used to be there. You know, if somebody put a loaf of hot bread in front of you and like cinnamon butter or something, you know, just, it's like, I mean, let's just make it happen. I will sacrifice. And when it comes to bread... For me, the hotter, the better, right? That's why when they would see that hot sign, those donuts, they're good all the time, but when they're hot, they, you don't have chew. It's like, hmm. It's one little chew, and then they send it on down, right? Why? Because when it's hot, it, go, it tastes better, it goes down better. I tell you, the hotter the opposition the hotter the matter, I tell you what, that's the time to eat it. Don't wait till it gets cold and lives with you week after week after week because you're going to have to eat it sometime if you're going to go any further. Might as well eat it while it's hot. Might as well eat it when it first shows up and it breathes its hottest threat in your face. That's the time that you start talking back and you start opening your eyes. You can't eat anything with a closed mouth. You got to open your mouth. How do you eat giants through what you say? What you say? What you say? You talk to it. You talk to it. Every day you talk to it. And every time you do, you're taking a bite of that thing. Amen. And then that talk is to dictate your actions. We don't confess so we can keep acting like we were acting, we confess so we'll know how to act. Amen. But these diet of giants, and this is what the way we have to see it, this diet of giants, uh, we don't have to ration it. We don't have to be moderate. And you get to, there's such a place where you have such a skill at facing opposition and knowing the right thoughts to have as soon as you face opposition. When my husband went home to be with the Lord, one of the first things the Holy Ghost reminded me of was this, this scripture. God is the husband to the widow 
What was he doing? He was giving me something to immediately hook my faith to. Not that, oh, my husband left. What am I going to do financially? God already supplied through his word. He is the husband to the widow. He already told me where to reset my faith, where to reset my focus. It's not income loss. It's what has been added to me. And I tell you what, I said to God, I said, God, my husband was was so faithful to take care of his family and we lived well because my husband had faith in you and he taught us much and he brought us into much. But I said, he's not here anymore and the word says you are the husband to the widow. You won't be outdone, will you? See, that's the right thinking. You won't be outdone, will you? Because you just took on another wife. Amen. If he's the husband to the widow, I now become your wife. Now I have an expectation. And I don't have to worry about that expectation for you are good to your word. He will be outdone by no man. Now see, that's a, that's a giant that some people could have faltered at. But for me, it became a feeding place. Amen. Let me just tell you this. The more you eat these giants the obstacles, the opposition, instead of complaining about them. You can't eat them complaining. Instead of getting into fear over it, instead of having to talk to four people to prop you up. Opposition eaten brings mastery. And we have to become masterful in the face of opposition. I was telling the ladies uh, yesterday, I believe it was, that Pastor David Oyedipo, who has the largest church in the world in Nigeria, he has an auditorium that seats 50,000 and fills it five times every Sunday. He's now building a 100,000-seat auditorium. It may be finished by now. I don't know, but it's already too small. And one of his students said to him, he said, because, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a man changing a nation. So you can imagine the opposition that has been working in that nation for years and now it's getting unseated and uh, things are changing in that nation because of the word gaining, taking its place. And one of the students said to him, said, uh, Pastor Oyedipo, uh, I'm sure you've faced a lot of opposition. I can imagine the amount of difficulties you've faced. And he said, I guess I have. I just haven't taken the time to notice. That's mastery. That's not ignoring and acting like you don't have opposition. That is so skillful at eating it up, stepping, it o- stepping over it, and just keep going. And not letting opposition change the way you think. Opposition comes to change your thinking. Jesus was on the shore and his disciples were in a boat and during the midst of a storm Jesus started walking on that water he didn't wait for the waters to go calm and Jesus walked on that water to the disciples in the midst of a storm Peter sees him says if it's you bid me come and he said come so on that one word come he gets out of the boat and starts walking toward Jesus on the water And while he's succeeding in receiving a miracle, he starts looking at the wrong thing. His attention shifts from what Jesus said of come and starts shifting 
to where he starts noticing the waves and the wind, but it was there when he first got out of the boat. He just shifted his attention. And when he shifted his attention, he started to sink. What was it? He changed the way he thought midway through and lost a miracle. You can receive a miracle, you can lose a miracle. When Jesus told his disciples on another occasion, he said, let's go to the other side and they all get in the boat. And you know the story. They get in the boat. Jesus goes to sleep in the boat. The storm comes up. And uh, Peter comes up to wake Jesus up. And you got to love the strategy of Peter. It's a manipulative one. And he says, Master, carest thou not that we perish? (laughs) In other words, do you not see how upset we are? He was mad that Jesus was not as disturbed as him. There are a lot of people that will get upset when you're not as upset as them. And they'll, call, they'll accuse you of not caring because you're not falling apart with them. You're not running like a fire truck to the emergency. <laughs> people will get upset when you're calm. But that's what faith does for you. It holds you steady. It holds you anchored. <laughs> so they believe they're going to the other side or they wouldn't have gotten in the boat. Jesus said, let, let us go to the other side. They believe they're going to the other side. That's why they got in the boat. But a storm comes up. Why? To change their thinking. And exactly what happened. Peter comes and says. Carest thou not. Listen to these words. That we perish. So in other words. He's already decided we're dying. He doesn't decide we're going to the other side. What tests and trials come to get you to change what you believed when you started your trip. You believed you were healed before symptoms showed up. Don't change what you believe just because symptoms show up. You believed he was your provider before lack tried to threaten you. Don't believe the lack and lay down that you believed that you would arrive at the fulfillment of what God said was yours. Amen. Develop mastery in the face of opposition. If giants are bread for us, we have to think right about them. When we see giants, we have to think bread. We can't think problems. We can't think hardship. We can't think difficulty. We have to think nutrition. I eat you, I grow. I eat you, I become skillful. Amen. If we think right about them, we will see them as nourishment and not as a losing place. Not as a hardship. Not as a place, oh my gosh, now I got another problem. I'm so tired of this. I'm just, I'm just tired of this. <laughs> Are you tired of winning? You know, I've had four immediate family members go home to be with the Lord in the last seven years. And uh, somebody said to me, I'm just tired of this. I'm just tired of this. Well, I had more die than you. And I'm not tired of it because I have heavenly deposits that make that place so, so near to me that getting tired of it doesn't change anything. That's pity stuff. Amen. I tell you what, I didn't lose anything. I, something was just relocated. Amen. And whether you realize or not, we're all getting relocated. 
We're all going to be relocated. We have to think of it right. Amen. (laughs) But what happens so much of the time, people try to do as little as possible to avoid opposition, to avoid mental pressure. I don't want to expand the business. It's just going to be more work. I don't want a, a house that suits us better. It's just going to be more work. So they try to step back from predicted opposition, from predicted pressure because they just don't want it. Your faith needs giants. Your faith needs opposition. You can have casual faith that just kind of floats and is kind of up and down and kind of stagnant, goes up, goes down, goes up and down. But if you want an ever-increasing faith, you have to say, give me giants, where are my giants? Not out looking for problems, but as you take the ground God gave you, they're going to show up and you just say, they're mine, I'll take them. Not mine, I'll run from them. I... uh, My husband and I had bought a lovely home not long before he went home to be with the Lord. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful home. It's so comfortable. And my joy was full there. But God had told me the day we moved into that home, he said, I have another home for you. He said that on move in day. I didn't say that to my husband while he's carrying furniture. (laughs) You know, wisdom is knowing when. And I never found the wind to say it to him. And God said to me, you'll, you'll live here for four years. You'll live in this house four years. And my husband went home to be with the Lord at the two and a half year mark. So about two weeks after he went home to be with the Lord, I'm, I'm standing in the hallway right by that table off the washroom. You know where it's at. And I'm standing right there and God said, you remember I told you there's another home for you. I said, yes, I'm trying to forget that. Why? Because I had so much on my plate with Ed's home going, so many projects that we were to finish. There was a lot on our plate. And I thought, this is not the time to be thinking about taking on, on purpose, something more onto the plate. And so God said, "Uh, you remember I told you four years and I have another house for you. I said, yeah, I was trying not to bring that. I was going to keep that on the back burner not bring it to the front burner. And he kept reminding me of it and reminding me of it. And just a few months after my husband's home going, five months exactly, uh, the Bible school students said, you know, there's a home we're going to go see, Amy Sylvia McPherson's home. And I knew that it was in the region. I had never seen it. And they were going to open it up for our students. Said, would you like to go? I said, sure. I walked through that home and all the thrill of your spirit when it gets on the plan of God, how your spirit gets thrilled and excited. You ever been there? I mean, you walk into a house, you come up to a business, something that is connected with you and your spirit gets excited. And I'm standing there and Morgan is with me and I said, I could live in this house. Uh Uh-huh, I could live in this house. And then I walked in and saw the work done. I thought, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. No, no, that's okay. Then I walk into another room. Oh, yeah, I could. So I saw the potential, but I also saw the, uh, the challenge with it. Two weeks later, God spoke to me and said, that's the house I have for you. Now, I had a certain amount of money that if I took that money, I could pay off the house I currently had, have no personal debt anywhere. 
But God told me to take that amount of cash and buy Sister Amy's. So I did. Paid cash for it. So now I have a previous home that's not paid for. I have another home that I just spent all my cash on, and it requires a complete restoration. And I'm a widow. And I'm thinking, is that smart for a widow? I could have paid off a house and been completely debt-free. And then I wouldn't have, now I've got a house. And, and then I tried to sell the house. I moved into the castle without it being renovated. I moved into it and I tried to sell the home that I previously had. And it just wouldn't sell, it wouldn't sell, it wouldn't sell, which was a head scratcher because it's one of the nicest ones in the addition. And everybody else was selling. It wouldn't sell and wouldn't sell. And so after a time, God spoke to me and he said, you have to get rid of the mentality that you have to sell something to buy something. Now, if God tells you to sell it, you sell it. But see, when I decided I have to sell this to have this, and so he said, I want you to have both because they are to become, there's purposes for both. So it's not in the selling of this one that helps me in going ahead with this other one. I've got to now believe for something beyond that the resources come from another direction. Now, if I'm just looking to have no pressure, if I'm just looking to have no responsibility, I just pay off the house I got and I just sit there with no pressure, no opposition, have to eat no giant. But then my faith gets crippled. God will use your resources to put you in a place where you have to use your faith. And if I could say it this way, he was having me to spend money so I could grow my faith. Because the money, how he directed me to use it, puts me in a place where I can only get through the other side of this by faith. If you just go through the life with the mentality, I want as little pressure as I can. I want as little change as I can. I'm not talking to you about getting into debt and stuff. I'm talking about what has God put in your heart? Because some things are optional. Some things are optional. You can have it if you want. Uh, But so many times people will take the easy way. But what they're doing is they're also hindering the faith potential they could have moved into. And it's not about, then when I got to, into Sister Amy's castle, moved there across the lake, because the castle overlooks the lake, and on the other side is an old historical building, and God said to me, you want that building? It's 42 acres and a historical building. It was a country club built in the 1920s. It's a wonderful building. He said, you want that building? I said, I sure do. I had no idea he was offering it to me. But if I'd have stayed in the previous house, I would have never been in the castle to look at that building because God wasn't just getting me into the castle. He was getting, to, he was getting me in the plan of God that contained another building, 42 acres for the Bible school and for the ministry. If I hadn't have said yes to the opposition of the castle, I wouldn't have seen the next thing that the next decades hold for our life and ministry. When you say no to something, you don't know what all you said no to. When you say yes to something, you don't know what all you said yes to. (laughs) But it calls for a life of faith. Amen. So our job is not to have as little opposition as possible. Our job is to become masterful at eating opposition. Amen. Uh, In the 1900s, there was... um, 
a large country, and I'll leave off names, but there was a large country that they were taking over surrounding countries, and there was this one little country that they had not conquered that was along their border, and they got tired of tolerating that little country. And so they decided to launch an attack against that country, that small country. But the small, that small country, uh, the people had become undisturbed because they knew that that bigger country was going to come for them at some time or another. So they had readied their military. They had put strategies in place. They had trained their men. They had raised the money in their country to take on this fight. And all of a sudden, one day, all the enemy troops come across that line into their country. Bombs start falling on this little country. And uh, all the strategy against them went into place. And I so love that this one soldier goes up to the general and he asks this question. He says, General, there are so many of them. And our country is so small because their country is so large. There's so many of them. Our country is so small. Where are we going to find to bury all those fellows? (laughs) That country was not conquered. This massive country was not able to take them over because they were not afraid of the fight. They weren't running and they weren't bowing down and they weren't taking the easy road. They were taking the winning road. And I tell you what, faith puts us on a course that will not, it has no U-turn in it. It's not a circular drive. You can go in, you can go out. Amen. This demonstrates right thinking. When you see opposition, you say, you know something? He's standing on my ground that I'm taking. Amen. You know, bread is a staple at most tables, some form of bread, right? When we were growing up, my dad and I were real hard to feed. My mother was a great cook, but I was a picky eater. My dad was a picky eater. And she always had some kind of bread. She'd make homemade rolls, the homemade yeast rolls. She always had bread and gravy. My daddy and I would sit and eat piles of bread and gravy and leave all the other stuff undone because we liked the bread and gravy. That was, a, that was a staple at every meal. If we ever sat down, it's like, where's my food? Because if the bread and gravy's not there, it's like, what do I have to eat? And so when we would get to the table, we expected to see that bread there. When you obey God, expect to see opposition. Expect to. And if something's not showing up, then suppose you go, wait, 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 am I taking ground or not? Because I have to wonder my progress if nothing is trying to say no to me. Amen. Amen. So we shouldn't get upset and wonder and start complaining within our marriage and our spouse have to listen to it for the 14th time. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you know what I'm talking about. You heard the same thing over and over. I can't believe this. I just, I'm just tired of this. I, uh, we got to change our thinking. Philippians, go with me. Philippians chapter 1. In verse 28, we don't get upset and wonder why giants show up. It's because they, they are the signposts of, of the land that belongs to us. 
Philippians chapter 1. Verse 28, and this is the Amplified Classic that I'm going to read. It says, and do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign or proof to them of their impending destruction. But it's a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, which is from God. (laughs) My brother was telling me about a conversation he had had with a man. This man had somehow been um, around Joe Frazier. You remember the the boxer, Joe Frazier? And I don't know if he had been a driver for him or something at an event But this man had asked Joe Frazier, of course, he was, you know, a champion. And uh, he said, Joe, have you ever been afraid in the rink? And he said, nope, I've never been afraid. But one time, he said, I was fighting Muhammad Ali. And he said, I was winning. And he said... I landed a blow on his jaw, and I heard his jaw break. It was such a bad break. I heard it break. And he said, I thought, I've got this thing. And he said, Muhammad Ali's head went down, and then he said, he brought his head up real slow and looked at me. And then he smiled. And he said, I thought, I'm a dead man. (laughs) He said, that was the only time I was afraid. Because when I hit him my best and heard him break, he said his response was a smile. And he said, I knew I'm dead. That's what this means. When there's opposition and you just look and say, you my food. I'm fixing to eat you. Amen. It said it's a sign of their doom. Amen. Don't ever let opposition see fear in your face. Hear fear in your voice or hear a tear in your voice. Amen. Amen. Paul is writing this. You know where he's at when he's writing this? He's in a prison. And he says, do not be for a moment be frightened, intimidated by anything. This is a man who was masterful at eating giants that came his way and was completely undisturbed by it. It's called right thinking. It's called a renewed mind. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, turn with me if you would. 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse 12. How do you eat giants? Verse 12, beloved... Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's going to show up. Quit thinking it's strange. How do you know if you think it's strange? Whether or not you're complaining, griping. Don't think it's strange as though some strange thing happened unto you, like something's picking on you. Verse 13. How do you eat a giant? But rejoice. Rejoice. 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The Amplified says, Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery trial which is taking place to test your quality. See, it's not about to see whether or not, it's not about whether or not you're going to fail or not. It's going to test what you got in you. As though something strange, unusual, and alien to you in your position were befalling you. But insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice. So that when his glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph. So he's telling us this, is that the way you eat what's opposing you is you rejoice in its face. That's how you get on the other side of that thing. Oh, yeah, I mean... So much of the time when we were finishing the building after Ed went home to be with the Lord and we had a building to finish, often, I mean like at least once a week, I'd get a phone call. Oh, we need another 20000 for this. Oh, we need another 40000 for this. Oh, we need more money for this. I'd say, all right, then do it. If, God, if, 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 we're to, if that's what it takes to finish, that's what God's got to provide. I could have just said, I'm tired of you people calling me, always wanting more. I tell you what, let's go back to those plans. I, I, don't, I didn't take any of that approach. It's not my job to save money and, and chew on somebody so I don't have to pay something. It's my job to eat the giant, not gripe about the giant. Yeah. And every bit of that money, $100,000, I mean, just easily came in. We don't know where it came from, but the money just kept coming. It wouldn't have if I had compl- complained. Complaining delays victory. Amen. You know, when, when, you look at, when you look at David and Goliath, how come he, David didn't respond like the other soldiers? They're hiding. Military men are not trained to hide. Military men are trained for the battlefield. David comes up and they're hiding. And they've been hiding. Why? Because they listened without moving. They came out, they listened to the taunts and the threats of Goliath, and yet they would not go against him. They waited for him to leave them alone. Giants aren't going to leave you alone. The devil's not going to leave you alone. The best thing for your life and the way to live peaceful is gain mastery. Peace is not the devil leaving you alone. Peace is you gaining mastery. Praise the Lord. So David comes up, and he tells the king, I'll fight him. And when he's faced with Goliath, and I'll just read to you out of 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. It says, And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went in front of Goliath. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come, at, you come to me with stabs or with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. But then in verse 45, David has a sevenfold response to, to the Philistine. He runs at him talking. What is that? That's the only way you're going to eat your giant. You've got to have your mouth open saying something and not saying the wrong thing. 
And David's sevenfold response was this. Number one, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name. In the name of the Lord of hosts. The, what's that? The Lord of angels. Ranks of angels. Meaning I got more than you. I got more than these boys hiding behind me on my side. But I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The second de- declaration he made was this. This day the Lord will give, me, give you into my hand. This, the third declaration. I will smite you and take your head off of you. We're going to get graphic about it. The fourth thing he said. I will give your carcass. I will give the carcasses of the host or the armies of the Philistines this day. He's, he's saying, I'm not just going to take, I'm just not going to take out you. I'm taking on the entire Philistine army. And he said, I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. The fifth thing he says, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And the sixth thing he said, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. And the seventh thing, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. How did he ever know as a young boy to say those things? Because as a shepherd boy, he was out there in the field eating giants. He was eating lions and bears that came after him. All, what, ha- what happened? He gained mastery. And it didn't matter that the giants got bigger and the giants got more threatening. The steps are the same. Do you get that? The same steps you took for, for one victory are the same steps you take for another victory. It doesn't matter how big and threatening and loud that they might get bigger and louder. It doesn't matter. The steps are the same. Amen. And I love what David did. He said, when he went up to him, he said, I just want to know what's the... He didn't say anything about him not winning. He said, what's the guy get who beats him? He wants to know, what's my pay? What's on the other side of this giant? Threefold reward. You you become immediately wealthy. He makes you wealthy. The king makes you wealthy. Number two, you marry the king's daughter. It don't matter what she look like. You understand? Boys, it don't matter what she look like. If she's the plan of God, I'm going to get rich there. That means his future generations born into royalty. This is not just affecting him. This is going to born, uh, affect children born. His victory. How good he is at eating giants is going to affect his future generations. The third thing, it said, you're free from taxes. <laughs> you and your, your father's house. <laughs> Goliath was just a big tax deduction. That's all he was. <laughs> you big tax write-off, buddy. And he ran after it. Why? He wasn't after Goliath. He was after the reward that was on the other side of Goliath. I tell you what, every giant is holding your, is hiding your reward from you. Get on the other side of that giant. He's hiding increase from you. He's trying to hide promotion and advancement from you. But faith is 
always interested in advancement, promotion, and increase. You understand that? Never be okay with, well, I got what I got and I'm fine with that. Faith always wants more because faith will not leave you where it found you. Faith, God always has more. God is an increase-minded God. Everything is more with God, not less, not cutting back. It's always more with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Giants are not hardships. They are entrances. They are doors into more of what God has for us. Amen. I love something that Dr. Summerall said, quoting, of course, Caleb. And Dr. Summerall said at 85, give me a mountain full of giants and I'll slay them and fertilize the earth with their carcasses. (laughs) What is that? Why did Caleb at 85, he asked when they took possession of the promised land, And he said, give me that mountain over there. There wasn't just a city. It said cities, plural, are on that mountain. And he asked for the mountain full of giants. He didn't ask for the mountain that was easy to take. They just had some wildlife on it. He wanted the mountain full of giants. Why? They got bigger homes. They got bigger businesses. Everything's bigger around a giant. They built it big, and I want what's big. I tell you, faith wants what's big. It wants something to glorify God in a big way. It's not cutting back and trying to take the easy road because it's always looking that it can take on, not just yes, but it'll take on the opposition that says no. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to renew our mind. Giants, opposition, they are food for us. They are our bread and we're going to eat it. And the hotter they are, the better we like it. Amen. Well, stand with me to your feet this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. It helps us to think right. It helps us to see things as you would have us to see them. It helps us to move ahead into the fullness of what you have for us. Father, we say the plan you have for each and every one of us, it's a great plan. You have never formulated anything that's less than great. So, Father, we expect for the greatness of your plan to come to pass in our lives, the greatness of the inheritance that belongs to us. And, Father, we'll not be scared back, step back, or draw back from any kind of opposition or obstacle in our way. But we say we are anointed and empowered and authorized and graced to eat any opposition that would block us from moving forward. Father, we change our thinking. We come up into your thinking. And we say giants are our bread. They're part of the table that nourishes our life. And we'll eat them. We'll not draw back from them. And we'll not yield up to opposition anything that belongs to us. And so, Father, we move into it. We go through that door. We choose to go through the door, not stop at the door. No matter how many giants are faced at that door, we will not let them block us from entering into the more that you offer us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. Now, everybody in this building has faced opposition. But what I'm referring to is 
real opposition. I'm not talking about the opposition you got to the mall and couldn't find a parking place. But how many of you have faced real, serious opposition and you overcame? I guarantee you what Pastor Nancy ministered this morning is spiritual law. If you have, if you've ever overcome anything by God, you employed what she was talking about today. This is required every time in all true opposition. If you're gonna, if you're gonna triumph in God, this is all the way, always the way it comes. Amen. And you're always stronger after you eat that giant. Glory to God. The devil meant it for our destruction. God turns it around for our good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.